Raiders, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back to the place everybody wants to be. You know it, you love it. It, of course, is Victory Lane. Today is episode 195. As you can see, we got Christian Eckes as our guest on the show this week, driver for McAnally Higgleman Racing in the Craftsman Truck Series. He's a part of the playoffs. As they get ready to go here in a couple weeks, starting off at IRP, two-time winner this season. He has run the gamut in the truck series, been with KBM, been with Thor Sport, and now is doing big, big things at MHR in his, I guess, third full-time year in the series. So excited for you guys to hear my chat with him. Known Christian for a little bit, and it was great to sit with him and learn a little bit more about his mindset, his career, his arc, his storyline. And uh, I think you guys will enjoy it too. So before we do any of that, as well as touch on Richmond, preview Michigan, we got to throw it over to Papa Siegel, who has this week's Wayback segment, which is paying homage to the number 95. So what have you got cooked up for us this week? Thank you, Duve, and welcome everyone to episode 195. First time through the numbers, my attempt at number 95 was frankly an embarrassment. I swung and missed at the obvious candidate. I'm speaking, of course, about Montgomery Lightning McQueen, seven-time Piston Cup champion and driver of the Rusty's 95 car in the Cars movie franchise. Ka-chow! Thank you, Mooms. We made up for it by hijacking number 96 to host McQueen for an in-studio interview the following week. I swung and missed again in choosing Michael McDowell as our honoree last time. Don't get me wrong, I like McD just fine, but there was a greater and more obvious choice I avoided because, frankly, I just don't like him. I speak of NASCAR Hall of Famer and retired Fox commentator Daryl Waltrip. Look, I've been doing this segment for almost 130 episodes now, and I've avoided using our Wayback Machine on the elder Walter brother until now. Maybe because I prefer drivers with nicknames that are reflective of their driving style or skill instead of one like Jaws because of Daryl's big mouth. Or maybe I've avoided him this long because he was the chief antagonist and competitor to Bobby Allison during their heyday. And you all know that Bobby was my guy. Yeah. I guess that sounds about right. Walter made his Cup Series debut in the 95 and ran the number for most of his first three seasons. He was paired with crew chief great in the making, suitcase Jake Elder, and gave car 95 the most top fives and top tens in the number's history. The car went almost 43 years between Waltrip's last top five in 1974 and McDowell's in 2017. Okay, credit where credit is due. 809 cup races over a 29-year career. 84 wins, 
tied for fourth on the all-time list with, of course, Bobby Allison. Although there's a pretty compelling case for Bobby having one additional win that's not in the record books yet. That would put him in front of Waltrip. Daytona 500 winner, but with the lamest icky shuffle imitation ever. Southern 500 winner. Two-time Winston 500 winner. Five-time Coke 600 winner. Twelve wins at Bristol, including a ridiculous seven-in-a-row streak. Eleven grandfather clocks for winning at Martinsville. Three cup championships. Two-time most popular driver. NASCAR top 50 driver. NASCAR Hall of Fame inductee in 2012. And all that doesn't include his second career as a pretty good color commentator on Fox. Boogity, 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 Daryl. Sometimes truth is hard. Daryl Waltrip is a worthy subject for our Wayback Machine, and I should have recognized his accomplishments before now. I accept that, but I don't have to like it. That's all for this week. Back to you, Doof. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Mom, of course, for that wonderful homage to the number 95. We're getting up towards 100, or I guess 200, which will be 100. I don't know what my dad did for last year's or last whatever 100 was. <laughs> um, so we'll see. And I'm trying to work on getting a big, big, big name guest for episode 200. Uh, and I'm not just talking big like Cup Series driver. I'm talking like bigger than that, maybe like champion level, um, icon level, Hall of Fame level. No promises. I'm doing my best, but um, we shall see. So stay tuned on that. Anyways, thank you, Dad, for paying homage to 95. And we'll see who you got cooked up for us next week. And let's get this episode started without any further ado with a good old-fashioned And throw it straight over to my interview with Christian Eckes. I meant to ask him this question in the interview, which I did not, but it's not Eckes. It's not Eeks. It's Eckes. Christian Eckes. Again, driver of the 19 Silverado for MHR in the Truck Series, and he is in the playoffs by virtue of his two wins at Atlanta and Darlington. Takes us through both of those triumphs this season, what the transition's been like over to MHR, and being a senior driver for the first time in his NASCAR career, which is an interesting position for him to be in, as he explains. And, of course, so much more, including puking in a hotel room, in Salem, Indiana, in his ARCA championship season. <laughs> Need I say more? Well, I'll let him say it for himself. Here's my interview with MHR's own Christian Eckes. Pleasure to welcome on to the show this week, driver of the 19 truck for McAnally Higgleman Racing, Napa Racing on his hat. He's got two wins in his back pocket, and he's got a championship in his sights. Christian Eckes, my friend. How are you today, and are you tired from running two miles? Uh, it's not two. It's five and a half. But, oh. yes, I'm tired. I, I really thought about napping and telling you to push this back a little bit, but uh, <laughs> we, we persevered, and, and here we are. So uh, just appreciate you having me on today. Yeah, no problem. I, I don't know why I shorted you three and a half miles there. You're putting me to shame. Maybe it's because two is what normal people do, but as we know, race car drivers, far from normal. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It wasn't it wasn't fun. I don't recommend it. You know, you do it because it sucks though. So, uh, good times. Are you on the the Josh Wise driver development fitness plan, or was this on the Christian Eckes plan? 
No, I, I joke that I'm on the uh, the Josh Smart program. It's like the oh. knockoff. Uh, so I kind of just do my own thing right now. But uh, not to discredit the, the Chevy program. Yeah. It's, it's really awesome. But uh, uh, I just kind of do my own thing right now. Have you always been um, not into fitness? But have you, has that always been a part of your regimen in terms of being in shape and being able to last long amounts of time in the race car or the truck? Or has this been a relatively new adventure for you? Uh, I mean, I've been, you know, working out really, uh, the Toyota program has kind of got me, uh, mostly involved in being in that for the last, I don't know, four or five years, um, and learning a lot from that and kind of being able to do it, uh, on my own now, um, you know, has been, is kind of an improvement for me, just, you know, kind of taking my own schedule, but, uh, it's just part of the regimen, you know, it's what you have to do, um, you know, being in shape is, is part of the job description, so. Uh, it's, it's something that I enjoy now, uh, for the most part, just as far as, you know, mental toughness thing, if, you know, I really don't want to go do it, but you know, I have to go do it. So, uh, it's good to, uh, to check that box for sure. What's your pace at for mileage wise? Put me to shame even more, please. Uh, it depends. Today was a little slow. Um, I think it was seven and a half mile an hour, which is that I, I don't know, it's like, I, I don't know the exact pace for miles. It's better than me. That's all I know. Yeah. It, the treadmill sucks, especially because you have no seams. Like, I was yeah. staring at a ball for, uh, I don't even know how long today. So, um, yeah, no, I had seven, seven, seven and a half millimeters usually the, uh, the target range. I'm not too fast, but not too slow. Five and a half miles inside on a treadmill. That does not sound fun I, I could maybe get down with it if i'm outside you get some scenery out there you can yeah let your mind wander yeah. but like you said you're just that that sounds pretty boring and bad yeah it's it's pretty boring especially just watching the clock tick on the treadmill it's yeah. it's you're on there for a long time but uh luckily i had some music in a podcast eventually to, to keep me busy i'm convinced that the time goes slower when you're working out and you're, you're looking at a clock like that you know what i mean yeah, it's almost like you need to put tape over the time just to, yes. to get it out. It's a good idea. We should invent that. Patent it. 50-50. Yeah. We'll go in on it. All yeah. right. Um, right. Enough talking about working out because I know everybody, hey, if you're listening to this on a run right now inside, just put, put your phone over the timing right now and thank us later. All right. Switching gears. Regular season is done. The playoffs are here. I know that ever since you got that win at Atlanta, you've kind of been looking forward to this time of year to just – get past the regular season and get down to it, get down to business. So what are the vibes like for you right now, for the race team, everything going on at the 19 camp? I know you were just at the shop today. I know we don't race this specific weekend, but next weekend headed out to IRP to begin the playoffs for the Craftsman Truck Series. How are you feeling? Yeah, we're all excited. Um, you know, obviously this is MHR uh, and DMR's first uh, playoff run, so uh, it's exciting for them. It's my third as a driver and my fifth or so being involved in an owner's championship or, or some way or another. So um, it's always my favorite time of the year. You know, really, you can see how you, well you stack up. Uh, obviously, getting the two wins this year was important for us and um, has kind of built momentum. But at the same time, uh, we've kind of circled some weaknesses. Obviously, the, the inconsistency we've had throughout the year. Um, and, and just the, the, the poor execution, honestly, at times uh, is something that we need to clean up for the playoffs. But uh, the speed's there week in and week out. Um, it's just execution that's coming down right now. You mentioned consistency, and like a true professional, you led me to my next point here. Um, even though you said that's been a bit of a struggle for you guys, 
when you look at the stat sheet, it may not tell the full story because I believe you've top 10 them in half the races in the regular season. When you're batting at a 50% clip like that, it doesn't look too terrible on the surface, but clearly you guys think that there's way more to clean up in that area ahead of the playoffs, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you look at the races, and we went through a five-week stretch where uh, we ran top five every week and we'd crash or just mix, miss it on execution or pitch strategy or something um, that was just honestly just straight up stupid. So, um, you know, we really needed to clean those up. Um, we've done a better job since then, really, from Darlington on. We've uh, been a lot more consistent. I only think we had three or so out of the top ten. So, not 100% sure on those stats, but we've gotten a couple podiums since then and kind of been a little bit more consistent, which we needed to do. But um, I feel like, you know, if we bring really fast race trucks, we qualify up front, uh, it simplifies it for us. But if we're a little bit off, it, it kind of, you know, makes the execution pretty uh, tough for us. So uh, yeah, bringing fast trucks and executing well with them is, is the name of the game. So as you know, with these playoffs, you've been a part of them before. They're kind of many three race seasons in and of themselves. And I'm sure that they feel like way longer than three weeks or three races. You've won this year. You've had some consistency. You've had some inconsistency. You've kind of run the gamut. Do you think that one or the other is going to be more important in these playoffs, being consistent or being able to win? Yeah. I mean, obviously going into this, uh, there's a certain amount of points that we feel like we need uh, just based off statistics to get to advance to Phoenix. And that's kind of our number one goal is to get to Phoenix. Um, I haven't been in a championship situation since 2019, and that was an owner's championship situation. So, uh, you know, getting to Phoenix is the hardest part. Uh, and that's that's our number one goal, right? I mean, last year I missed it by, I think, five or six points. Um, and I had a, a third of the bonus points we have this year. Um, and I felt like we did a really good job in round two, especially last year, just being consistent and getting points. And uh, I think, you know, that's kind of the name of the game, right? I mean, the winning's great and advances to the next round, but at the same time, you can't really bank on that. Um, you know, if we're good, obviously, we're going to go for a win. But uh, consistency is kind of the name of the game to get to Phoenix, and then you race for it there. So let's talk about your uh, pair of wins that you had this year. Atlanta and Darlington will start with the former first. Now that that's kind of a super speedway type racetrack and it has drafting tendencies, it was much different than the Atlanta of old that you did have some experience on a couple of years ago. How did you find the time adjusting to the new super speedway style racing in Atlanta? Clearly you found success, but in terms of your driving style, it seems like you adjusted pretty quickly. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, I've always had some success on uh, the super speedways, uh, both of them last year. Well, I led laps at Atlanta, then I led, I think, the most laps at Daytona, lost it on a mm-hmm. green-white checkered. Um, led the most laps at Talladega, lost it on a green-white checkered. Um, but then this past year, I led a bunch of laps, one stage two, then caution came out when we were coming back through the field. So uh, I feel like all this super speedway stuff has kind of fit, you know, I don't know if it's my driving style of aggression or what it is, but um, I've always had a lot of success there. So I feel like Atlanta was you know, kind of a similar situation. Um, we got a pit road penalty. He was able to come back through. and uh, The truck was good enough to kind of carry me there. So, um, yeah, no, I've always you know, really been fond of super speedway racing. I'm trying to look up the schedule right now because I don't know for sure. But I know Talladega is in the playoffs for the Cup Series. I, I want to say it is for the Truck Series. So that must be one that you're looking forward to in terms of getting there. If you're still a part of the playoffs, obviously, hopefully yep. maybe using your skills there to get from the round of eight to the championship four. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's another one that's kind of still sore from last year is uh, leading on the green white checkered and, and losing that with a shot to get the Phoenix if we won the race. So, um, yeah, no, a little bit of uh, redemption for that one too if we can make it that far. Darlington, as we know, is a driver's racetrack, right, Christian? I mean, there is no better test of man and machine, and it has run the gamut all these years from different cars, trucks, pavements, packages. You got to be really good to win at Darlington, and you were the best of the rest that night earlier this year. How much personal satisfaction did you get out of winning at that specific racetrack? Yeah, I mean, it meant a lot. I think it was a, a true testament to our team as well. Uh, you know, obviously, I've touched on it before. Uh, we won Atlanta, then went five straight without finishing the top ten, and wrecked I think three or four times in that span. So to come back and win at uh, Darlington that week was was pretty important. Uh, proved that Atlanta really wasn't a fluke, um, and that we could do it on a consistent basis. So uh, it was uh, special for sure. And obviously, as we see from your hat and your truck, almost every single week you got Napa on board. Napa has been synonymous with champions, winners, motorsports for as long as we've been alive, surely, and and way before our time, too. Uh, It's an iconic brand. It's a big deal to be associated with them. What's it been like in year one, kind of having the blue and the yellow colors that don your truck and your fire suit? Yeah, it's been really awesome. Um, You know, every week we go to some Napa Auto Care Centers, uh, usually three or four weekend, and and meet uh, all the great customers of Napa. Uh, at all the repair shops and auto body places. So uh, it's been cool to meet all the people this year. Obviously, they have a rich history with racing and a uh, rich history with Bill McAnally as well. I think it's 32 or 33 years yeah, that's uh, a long that, time. that he's, had that, <laughs> he's had that sponsor, which is about 10 years more than I've been alive. So yep. <laughs> uh, it's been cool to, to kind of be a part of that for sure um, and to meet all the people along the way. Chase Elliott, Napa guy, Ron Caps, Napa guy, Brad Sweet, Napa guy. These are all champions, obviously, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few that you work with and interact with on a weekly basis. Have you gotten the chance to to pick some of those drivers' brains along the way this year in terms of just what it's like to represent that brand and also just compete at the sport's highest level? I know different disciplines spanning cup, drag racing, and dirt racing, but those guys know what they're doing too. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we I went to dinner with Ron. Uh, it was a week of Napa Employee Appreciation Day. They did a really nice event for all their employees at their headquarters um, in Atlanta, where uh, all our cars and trucks were there. We had a big, you know, autograph session for all the employees. So uh, it was it was cool to kind of mute those notifications. Uh, it's cool to to meet all those guys um, and talk to Ron for for a length in, in the different disciplines because I didn't really know much about drag racing. Um, so it was cool to, to learn about the different things that they're involved in and you know what they do for Napa as well with, with activation and everything. You ever want to get in a drag car? See how fast you can get up? Uh, no, man, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't have any desire to do that for sure. They're, those guys are crazy. Have you been to one of the drag races? Because I've still never been. I want to go and stand on the starting line and feel it in all my bones, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely pretty cool. I went uh, to the four wide this year. Uh, the top fuel dragsters and the funny cars are pretty wild. I mean, it gets, I'm not going to lie, it gets a little boring after a while for me. Sure. You know, I like action, but uh, it's it's the coolest uh, three seconds you'll see for sure in racing. Different strokes for different folks. I'm sure some people feel the same yeah. way about us on the NASCAR side. So 
Yeah, I'll let him have it. I want to ask you a, a bit of a bigger picture question here, and it's kind of reflecting on the last couple or several years for you. When KBM, yep. your time there, came to an end, it was kind of an interesting point for you, right? Because you're still a kid, all things considered. Right? I think you were 20 years yep. old at that point. You'd been in yep. the Toyota pipeline. You'd won an ARCA championship. You'd won the Snowball Derby. You're one of the most heralded, highly touted prospects. And for whatever reason, it just didn't work the way that you guys wanted it to. You weren't championship contenders, unfortunately couldn't get to victory lane, but you didn't give up. You had to pick up the pieces and keep going, which you did. As a 20-year-old kid at that point, what was the mindset for you and what were the next steps that you took to make sure that that was just a bump in the road and a blip on the radar? Yeah, it was a, it was a weird time for sure. Um, you know, the year before, I'd won the owner's championship of KBM driving at Homestead and uh, won the ARCA championship as well. Um, but then to be kind of left without a ride in 2020 was was weird for sure. Um, I didn't really know where to begin or where to go because everything was kind of structured from that point uh, up until it wasn't. Um, and yeah, KBM, it just it didn't work out. You know, I was too young for the opportunity. I feel like still wasn't mature enough. Um, it, it didn't really take advantage of the situation as, as well as I should have. Um, you know, obviously they've, they've had a lot of success and, you know, not being able to win. And sure, we had times where we should have won and I made mistakes or um, like I blew a right rear leading because I drove into somebody on pit road at Pocono and, and lost a couple races like that between, you know, the whole year. Um, so there was just a lot of missed opportunities. And, you know, I kind of understood uh, when everything happened, why it happened. So. Um, I've matured a lot and grew up a lot and kind of figured out different ways to uh, you know, connect with the team and, and be more of a leader uh, because of that. And, you know, I really got lucky with, with the opportunity with Duke and Ronda Thorson at Thorsport Racing. Um, you know, obviously I wanted to compete for a championship because I felt like I learned so much in the offseason of 20 to 2021, I guess it would have been. Um, and, and wasn't able to, but I got that 10-race deal and was able to win. Uh, to kind of prove to myself and, and prove to you know everybody that I could you know do this and um, that the KBM deal was just a bump in the road. Um, but yeah, no. Ever since then, I've I've come to appreciate the opportunities a lot more, and um, it's a bumpy road still. I mean, it's a it's a tough sport. You know, obviously, leaving Thor Sport last year and um, getting picked up by Bill was was a, another bump in the road. But uh, we've persevered so far and. Uh, given up till our ultimate goal is, is achieved for sure. You mentioned that win last year or a couple of years ago for Thor Sport. Um, and yep. I'm sure that that was a big one for a lot of reasons. What were the emotions after that? Was it more relief, happiness? I mean, what, what were the feelings for you at that specific point, knowing what you'd gone through to get there? Yeah, I mean, it was more relief than anything, right? Um, it made, you know, that tough off season and constantly calling people to, to try to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do next. And, um, you know, I don't know, I guess it was September. So nine months before, uh, cause I didn't know I was going to tour sport. So I think February of that year, um, I was out of a ride and I was, you know, thinking of plan B, you know, I didn't really know what, uh, what was next. So to be able to win and, and, and kind of prove that was, was definitely a little bit emotional and, uh, at the same time relieving. And then the BMR opportunity comes about, obviously. I've known Bill for a handful of years, going back to K&N West, and I've always known him as the Napa guy. And he had Todd Gillen come through his program on the K&N level, Derek Krause at that same level, and then worked his way up to the Truck Series for a couple of years, and they parted ways at the end of last year. 
when did this opportunity specifically for you come together? How late in the offseason did Bill call you, you call him, and when did you guys put pen to paper and make things happen? Yeah, I mean, it all really came together really quick. Um, so 2020 was kind of a rough year um, in a way. I mean, it was my most statistically best year. Um, but we didn't win. We were in contention to win a lot, and just some stupid stuff would happen, really no thought of our own. Um, like I felt like we should have really won four or five races in 2022 and just didn't. So um, I didn't really expect anything to happen still. Um, you know, up to Phoenix, everything was you know looking okay. Um, we've gotten some sponsorship in line to, to make it happen. Um, and then like the week after Phoenix, I had a rumor that, you know, there was a, a swap coming and that Kaylee needed a ride and that's, um, kind of left me in a precarious situation. So, um, you know, kind of was in discussions with them for a couple of weeks on what was going to happen next and, um, didn't really know what was going to happen. Um, and the final time that I went up there, I think was the last week of November, and it's funny, Bill texted me on like the Friday before I was going to go on Monday, um, like asking what I was going to do next year. You know, they're going to build a bunch of new trucks and they really wanted to you know, elevate their program and uh, wanted to bring somebody new in to, to try to do that. So I told them, like, give me a couple of days, like, let me figure out what's going on with Thor Sport because there was still an option at, at Thor Sport to run part time again, um, which I wasn't really interested in. Um, I wanted to go full time and, and stay full time, and I didn't want to take another step back in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, "Here, let me just let me just figure it out and, and see what's going to happen." And um, you know, obviously, I learned at that point that the full time deal was kind of out of the picture um, to a certain extent. So I texted Bill, and I think we started talking on a Tuesday, and it was signed on Thursday. So uh, wow. it came really quick, and then we announced it like the next Monday uh, at the, the GM Tech Center. So. Uh, it's, it's lucky that that happened because he was talking to some other people and if the timing was like a week off, um, you know, I might not be in this situation. So, um, it's funny how timing works, but, uh, I'm very excited to be in this opportunity for sure. Yeah. Right place, right time. Sometimes that's all it takes to, to be in a good position. So I'm curious though, because like you said, KBM top tier team, Thor sport, top tier team, have the capability to win every single week in both those trucks. And Bill would tell you the same thing. The The past couple of years when they made that foray from K&N and ARCA into trucks, they were not yeah. that caliber of a team, right? They, they were not contending for wins every single week. And now you come into the picture. Now your teammates with Jake, you guys both have really, really helped take that next step for the organization. Coming into the year, did you have any trepidation or, I mean, what were your realistic expectations going into the year understanding that BMR and MHR weren't necessarily a top tier team like you had been accustomed to and associated with in the past. Yeah. I mean, the first time I was there, it was definitely different than I was used to. And the fact that, you know, KBM and uh, Thorsport, we built our own chassis. We built everything from the ground up. And uh, it was just a little bit different at, at MHR and the fact that uh, we had a really big technical alliance with GMS and, uh, we still do to this day. Um, and there's there's some other pieces to the puzzle that I didn't see yet. But, uh, you know, once I kind of got the lay of the land and, and figured out you know, what we have, the people we have, um, Charles and Mike as a crew chief, um, and my engineer, truck chief, everybody that's involved, I I really became, you know, I was like, okay, uh, I think this is, this is an opportunity that I can win at. Um, we started building new trucks on new truck number five for the year. 
uh, which is more than I've had my entire career by wow. two or three. So um, the, the investment that, that Bill's putting forward to make this into a winning operation uh, has paid off. Uh, now the next step is to kind of get it into a championship winning operation, which I think we're really close to. So um, I don't feel like I'm at any disadvantage to what I've had in the past. Uh, I tell that to everybody. Um, I feel like the, the equipment I'm driving right now is the best I've ever driven in my career. So um, it's been cool to be a part of for sure. And you mentioned you're kind of in, in a bit of a leadership role now too. I, I said that you were a kid a, a few years ago. Well, Jake Garcia must be a baby then. Uh, had him on the podcast a handful of weeks ago and you know, he carries himself really well and he's obviously really talented. Think at Richmond was his best finish of the season, knocking on the door of a top five. What's it like kind of being the the senior driver at an organization for a change? Because you're at Thorsport, you got Matt Crafton, who's been around since the start of things. KBM, yeah. the boss man, is obviously looking over things. But at MHR, you are the senior driver. That must be an, an interesting and new position for you. It's been interesting for sure. Uh, you know, I've enjoyed it, you know, kind of, you know, having the team built around me in, in a way. Um, you know, obviously Jake's a really big piece of that as well, but um, you know, to be kind of a part of the, the major decisions and um, you know, to be able to be heard in those decisions has, has been pretty pretty cool to say the least. So um, it's it's a role that I've liked so far. Uh, I feel like I've helped Jake in some ways and in, in some things that I messed up in the past. But um, you know, it's been cool to to see him develop and get better over the year, as well as the team develop and get in better in that year, and know that I have you know a small part in that. So. Um, it's, it's been, it's been cool for sure. So as big is uh Bill McNally, like the dad, you're the big brother and Jake's like the little brother. Is that what's going on? Yeah, I guess you could say that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> He's definitely the little brother. <laughs> so you mentioned your crew chief too, uh, Charles Denike. I never knew if it was Denike or Denike. So now I got that. It's Denike. I, I didn't um, either. So okay. Yeah. There you go. I'm glad it's not just me. Um, yeah. how's he been to work with? He obviously knows his way around the sport. He's been working yep. with a lot of really top-tier future Hall of Fame caliber drivers. I think he was even the crew chief for Ben Kennedy in Xfinity for maybe a race or two. So he's been around the game for a while, as have you, and it seems like you guys as a pair have taken together pretty well so far, it looks like. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, we both are, are really meticulous in, in our preparation and, and, you know, how the trucks are built, how I prepare, um, how I drive. I, I feel like it's, it's a really good partnership in, in that aspect that, uh, we both are, are really meticulous on the details. So um, it's been cool to work with him. You know, I, I've probably texted him later than than he probably wants most days, just trying to, <laughs> if I got a random thought or he's got a random thought, we kind of, you know, talk to each other really, Always really often. And yeah, and, and are, are pretty close friends now, I'd say. So uh, it's been really cool to work with him, and, and he's a really, really smart guy. So it's uh, it's been fun. I believe another one of your close friends is Zane Smith, who obviously you've been racing week in, week out, and you're going to be racing him for yep. the Truck Series title. Trying to, he's trying to defend his crown. You're trying to snatch it from him. What's it going to be like, you think, racing one of your buddies, not just for a race win, but for a championship down the line? Yeah, me and Zane uh, have been uh, pretty close friends for a while now. Um, we've always raced each other with a lot of respect. Uh, we're able to kind of separate that stuff every time we've had the run-ins and stuff. It's just, you know, hard racing. So, um, yeah, I got a lot of respect for Zane, you know, on the racetrack and off the racetrack. And it's been cool to kind of come up the ladder together and, um, you know, turn into the, the veterans, per se, in the truck series. Yeah. We've been here for so damn long. Um, but it, it's been cool for sure. 
There's been a lot of talk lately, not just in trucks, but now moving up to cup with what we saw happen with Denny and Kyle Pocono about the aggressiveness, the aggressive nature of racing nowadays in NASCAR. And a lot of people put that on the younger crop of drivers. Um, I would say that you're a part of that, but out of the truck series field, you're on the older side now, which is kind of wild to say. What do yeah. you make of the the chaos that we see in some of these truck races in terms of just no holds barred, absolutely aggressive from the drop of the green flag to when the checker comes out? I mean, how do you approach these races and who you're racing around to make sure that you kind of stay out of the mud? Yeah, I mean, it kind of depends on, on where you're running, honestly. I mean, the top five or six are pretty respectful. Um, you know, we're all racing. You know, obviously, we have a pretty good idea on what's going on. And then, you know, six to 12th is really chaotic. And then 12th on back is really, really chaotic. So, <laughs> um, you know, the, the talent levels are definitely are different in the talent or the truck series. Um, and it, it gets pretty chaotic when you're back there uh, with, with some unnamed people. So, um, yeah, no, it's uh, the top six are, are pretty clean and, and it's fun racing them. You can call out the unnamed people. Nobody's listening. Ah, no. I, I mean, they know who they are if they're watching. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Media savvy. I love it. Um, all right. A couple more things kind of off the wall uh, that I want to hit on you with. 2016 Snowball Derby winner. I know that uh, we touched on that a little bit earlier. I believe at that point you were only 16 years old. Yeah, I just turned 16. I mean, well, my birthday was November, and then uh, I guess the race was about a month later. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, what what was that experience like winning one of the country's most prestigious races in general and obviously late models most prestigious race when you were a kid? Yeah, I always say that I wasn't old enough to really appreciate it. Um, you know, I look back now and it's it's super cool. You know, I watched I guess the year before I won Chase Elliott won it and then Kyle Bush won it the year mm -hmm. after. And I remember there in twenty fifteen, like, man, if I could only win this race because I finished like twenty second or something terrible. Um, if I could win this race one day that I won it the next year. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think I appreciate it as, as so much as somebody that's ran it for 15 years and hasn't won it yet. So, um, it's a super cool race. You know, that year was, I hadn't won a race all year. And then all of a sudden I, I won the Myrtle Beach 400 Thanksgiving classic and snowball three in a row. Um, so that was, that was cool to, to be a part of for sure. And, uh, the trophy's still upstairs and it's always cool to look at, but, yeah, it really wasn't the uh, the best late model racer, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I I won those three races, but those were like the only three races I won. So, um, well, I'll take it for sure, but I definitely wasn't the best late model racer. I was going to say, you got an act for winning the big ones and the important ones. There's something to be said for that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, so Kyle Busch discovered Eric Jones, I think, well, not discovered, but kind of hired him after Eric beat him in the Snowball Derby. Was there any of that? relation with Kyle with you when you wanted in 2016 that you know of at least I mean I don't know I don't think so um it was more of a Toyota relation um which had been building up to that point uh running yeah a couple races for Venturini that year um so they obviously you know had some interest in, in me and, and what I was was doing um but then kind of the snowball from there skyrocketed that a little bit but it still took a two or three years I guess two years from then to get in a truck um, so it took a while, but um, definitely improved the relationship with Toyota Racing for sure. Snowballed from there. I see what you did. Yeah, right. So what do you think about 
kids running late models these days? Because, I mean, I mentioned it. You were 16, 17, young when you won it. And we got kids that are hopping in now and they're basically 13, 14, 15. And they're, and they're getting in cars to test or race competitively. Some of the older guard is, is saying that that is way too young from a safety perspective, but also just from a maturation perspective. You kind of live both sides of it. Where do you fall on that? Yeah, I mean, I so I guess I started racing late models when I was 15, and even then I wasn't even close to being mature enough to do that. I mean, I, I, I go over that a lot because there was times in, in my life that I definitely wasn't mature enough for situations, and uh, that was one of them. I wrecked a lot uh, in the beginning of my late model career and probably could have used a year or two more Legend cars to, to get a little bit better, um, which I've won a lot in Legends. I think I won like 30 races the year before, but, um, you know, just kind of, you know, more reps and, and more racing situations and you know, just giving sure. a little bit more time to mature as a person um, would, would probably cause a lot less damage than they did. So, um, yeah, no, I wish I was you know, 16 or 17 before I really started, you know, getting real on a late models for sure. I mentioned uh, your ARCA championship in 2019. I don't know if that Mobile One fire suit behind you is from that year or KBM years. That's, that's that the KBM years there. That's okay. the sport. I got the, the ARCA ones upstairs. I figured. Okay. Yeah. Um, I got to know the backstory to this because when I was doing my research, I knew that you obviously had a great year that year, won the championship, but you missed a race. Yeah. And if I have my research correct, that was due to an esophageal tear in your trachea. Yeah. And I don't even know if I pronounced esophageal correctly. I, can yeah. you tell me the backstory here, please? I, I got really, really bad food poisoning and you can kind of do the math from there. There's only one way to tear your esophagus when you really got bad food poisoning. I don't want to get too graphic, but it was not. A, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. yeah, it was not a good day. I got sepsis after it caused an infection. And it just wasn't a. Uh, it was. I've had better days for sure, and especially because I was stuck in Salem, Indiana. Like, I don't think there's a worse place oh. you can get stuck with in the hospital in Salem, Indiana. So you got it when you were at the track for a race. Yeah. So we we practiced and qualified. I think on a Saturday. And then we were going to race on Sunday. We were driving home. I didn't feel good. Um, and the, I'm not going to say it on here, but there's a funny story of, of Michael Self coming to my room. And I was like, feel good. Like, I'll be right back. <laughs> and that's that's what started it all. So, um, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't at my finest day at the racetrack, for sure, or at the hotel at that time. Yeah, fair enough. We'll get into that story when we hang up here in a minute. I wonder what they would, uh, what they would put that is in, in racing reference, like did not compete esophageal tear in trachea yeah. that's a, that's a mouthful no pun intended exactly yeah <laughs> um all right couple more here i was when i was on racing reference and i saw that i i also was looking and i realized that you know you have no starts in xfinity or cup and i don't even know if you have any in arca or not arca arca west or arca east um I'm, I'm interested by that because a lot of people that kind of came up with you and around you and that you're friends with, they have dabbled in tr in Xfinity, dabbled in the Cup Series. You haven't gotten that opportunity to do so yet. Has that been by choice or has that been by design? And if so, do you have a timeline or would you like to dabble in Xfinity or Cup in the coming years? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Um, you know, obviously it's it's every kid's dream, including my own, to, to race in the higher series and um, you know, that stayed the same since I was you know, 13, 14 years old when I started racing. So, um, 
you know, that whenever the right opportunity comes, which I've had some opportunities that, that are definitely not what I want to do. I, I want to be in a situation where I can you know, win and run up front, um, which I feel like I'm working on some stuff that, that could definitely be that uh, maybe sooner than sooner than later, for sure. So uh, we'll see. But uh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. All right. You have to tell me that when we hang up too. Uh, last thing, back to the playoffs. Obviously this week, Cup is in Michigan. Xfinity is uh, obviously in Michigan as well. But you guys take a week off and we're headed to IRP to kick things off. Milwaukee after that and Kansas to close out the opening round of the 2023 Craftsman Truck Series playoffs. Yep. We talked about it. Three race seasons, little bursts here and there. How do you approach this first round of the playoffs going to a short track, a place that nobody's been before in the Craftsman Truck Series, I don't think, and then Kansas a mile and a half, which is kind of a bread and butter for a lot of people. Yeah, so, I mean, last year, which we were completely different setup-wise than I was last year at Thorsport, but we ran 16th straight up um, and got, I think, zero stage points. So uh, we need a lot better uh, day at IRP this year than I had last year. Um, I feel pretty comfortable about where we're at. We have one of our new trucks that we're bringing there um, that we built for Vegas. So um, that'll be a good one for us. Uh, then we're building a brand-new truck for Milwaukee, uh, if it runs well, we'll obviously go to Phoenix. It's kind of our flat track truck now. Um, and then Kansas, we sat on the pole and uh, let a bunch of laps for an accident. So um, I feel pretty good about all three. Uh, you know, obviously, we have you know, three of our new trucks for all three races. So uh, it's been cool to be a part of that. And like I said, uh, the investment that Bill's putting forward with, with five of them. So I, I feel good about it. I, mean, I feel good about the second round, too, and Phoenix after how good we've ran at that gateway. And uh, I'm sure that's going to translate to Milwaukee as well. So um, it's going to be tough, but at the same time, I feel like we uh, have a really good shot. A lot of people in this new era of elimination style playoffs, they say that the goal is to get to Phoenix. And once you get there, whatever happens, happens, all bets are off, but just getting there with a chance is kind of all you can ask out of yourself and your race team. Do you share that mindset? Is getting to Phoenix the goal for you and the 19 team, or do you want to get that next step and bring home the hardware? I, yeah. I mean, so each year I've kind of progressed up, you know, around uh, 2020. Obviously, to be a year off in 2021, um, not by choice, the part-time year. Um, but I've, I went from, you know, getting eliminated in round 10 and getting eliminated in round 8 last year. Um, so getting to Phoenix is, is important, but, you know, like I said, I feel like I'm in the best chance and opportunity I've ever been in to go win a championship. Uh, the trucks are better than I've ever driven, um, and the organization is better than, than I've been with um, to, as far as being set up to go win a championship. So uh, I feel good about it. Um, you know, that was our number one goal coming in, either this year or next year, to go win a championship uh, with, with BMR. So. Yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest thing is uh, we need to get to Phoenix to race for it, but um, I feel pretty good if, if we're able to get there. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what you, the 19 group, Charles Denike, uh, Bill McAnally and company can do in these playoffs. I know you guys will be one to watch for sure, and if the if the progress is any indicator, you should be having a good run of it here in the next several weeks and several months. So good luck, my friend. Thank you for joining me today, and I know it's a busy time of year for you. So best of luck. We'll be chatting soon, hopefully after some wins. That's right. Thanks, Dave. And we are back. 
Oh, thank you so much, to Christian, for the time. And thank you to my man, Josh Weinrich of MHR, for helping coordinate that conversation. Appreciate you, fellas. Good luck this season in the playoffs, and I'm sure we'll be seeing you in victory lane in no time. Let's briefly chat about the racing we saw this past weekend out at Richmond Raceway. Obviously, I was out there, and I saw a couple of you guys out there. Thank you for saying hello. Uh, the racing, I got to be honest, left a little bit to be desired. It wasn't a barn burner. It wasn't terrible. And I feel like I say that about a lot of races around this time of year. Uh, the summer stretch just has its highs. It has its lows. Richmond, though, it has always kind of been this way, right? It's been long green flag runs, differing tire strategy, comers and goers in terms of when those strategy effects or calls take effect, I should say. It just was what it was, and I was expecting it to be a Hendrick and Gibbs parade up front, which it was not. It was a 2311 and RFK parade up front. Interesting dichotomy that we saw from two two-car teams beating out the two four-car operations of Hendrick and Gibbs that were so accustomed to see run up front, not just at Richmond, but pretty much everywhere. But at the end of the day, it's Chris Busher who wins the race, his third career cup win, Second, that is not rain-shortened. Uh, and second in as many years as well for RFK Racing in another race that Brad Keselowski may have been the class of the field in before he uh, had an issue on his pit stop and that pit cycle that kind of cycled him back outside the top five. But make no mistake about it, man. Busher absolutely earned this one. He went up there, he took it, and he had to survive a late-race restart in front of one of the best, a couple of the best, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, Ryan Priest on his back bumper, but he was flawless, got a good jump, good run out into turn one. He set sail from there. So Busher was already probably going to make the playoffs, and he is locked in now. His teammate and owner, Brad, he's also probably going to make it, wish that he could lock himself in, but he's got four more chances to do it in the rest of the regular season. And that next chance comes this weekend at his home track. The Irish Hills in Brooklyn, Michigan. Michigan International Speedway. Always have a soft spot for this place. My dad and I went to a MIS race way back in the day that I believe Brian Vickers won in a Red Bull car. Uh, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but I do vaguely remember that. I was a youngin' back then. And uh, obviously went to school at MSU. So just about 45 minutes or an hour down the road from East Lansing is Brooklyn, Michigan. Only went to a race there one time because the race is always fell in the summer when I was back home, not in school. But I'm always a fan of this racetrack. All the drivers have said it is absolutely nothing like the other two-mile D-shaped oval on the schedule being Fontana in uh, California out there, RIP. But I'm interested to see who's going to be quick, right? We saw Ford actually have some resurgence last week at Richmond, but that was a short track. This, for all intents and purposes, is a speedway. Not a super speedway, but a speedway-type racetrack. Kyle Busch waxed him at Fontana. He's in a Chevy. But again, no real similarities because this place is vastly different and way faster. And you got the Heritage Trophy on the line, too. I'm sure that Ford and Chevrolet and, of course, Toyota want to get that and bring that back for some repage back from MIS. I don't know who's going to be strong and the ones to watch. I'm really at a loss here because Kevin Harvick won this race last year. And Priest ran well last week at Richmond. Harvick got a top 10. I don't know if that momentum necessarily will translate, given that the tracks are just so vastly different. But you got to watch Harvick, obviously, his last race here. And he's had a lot of success, not just recently, but throughout his whole career. 
obviously watched the Hendrick and the Gibbs cars, even though they had a bit of a down weekend overall at Richmond. Hendrick did for sure. You got to keep your eye on them. And I'm not going to count out Bubba Wallace either. If you guys remember, he finished second here last year, and he was really emotional on pit road after the race because he just wanted that win so bad. I think he could be primed to to win his way in and get a playoff spot. I know he's over 50 points to the good right now, had a really good points day, and McDowell and A.J. and Ty Gibbs did not have as good of a points day at Richmond, so the 23 and Bubba is sitting pretty good right now. But I would keep my eye on him because he's been good at Michigan recently, and he has been good this season recently. Even though the finishes may not show with the speed, it has been there, and it has been very evident. So keep your eye on the Toyotas, even though there's only six of them. Keep your eye on the big teams, and keep your eye on Kevin Harvick, man. I'm still fighting the good fight, hoping that the closer gets one more. And that will wrap things up for episode 195 of Victory Lane 2.0. If you guys like what you heard here today, please do me a favor. I know it sounds trivial, but it does really help us out. Help me out. There's no us. It's only me here. Well, I guess my dad, too. Helps us out. If you leave a rating, if you leave a rating and a review, you can subscribe to the podcast. Do that on Apple, Google, SoundCloud, anywhere you get your podcast, literally any of the major podcast platforms. We should be available there for your consumption. And if we are not, please drop me a line and I will try to rectify that issue for you quickly and swiftly. Uh, thanks again to Christian Eckes for the time this week. Thanks to you for tuning in this and every single week. I hope you enjoy the racing action this weekend out in the Irish hills of Michigan. We will be back next week with another guest from the world of NASCAR to talk about it all and preview the Indy Road Course with the ringers from around the world. Talk to you then, party people.